Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner with over 20 years' experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And Gordon's out today, but we are excited to have you with us today listening to us on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner that you can stream us wherever you're hanging out today. Um, Obviously on the dial, it's 1230 a.m. in the CSRA. And you can also, uh, on our website, we have a, a link to our podcast. So if you miss it for some reason, um, you can always you know go find previous shows on our podcast website. So go check that out also. Yeah, exactly. And do check us out on our website. Um, email us. We'd love to hear your questions, uh, hear your comments. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us there on our website. And, uh, of course, listen to us on your smartphone, all our podcasts. You have no excuse for not listening to The Money Doctors. This week, um, and we always have some great advice as we do today. And uh, but before we get into that, John, um, a little football went on. Yeah, ouch! You know hey. my Tigers; they came so close. Uh, great, great game though. They really showed up. Defense game. had a tough time. Special teams, but man, Clemson really yeah. they played well. Very um, great effort. Deshaun Watson. I mean, what an incredible talent he is. Yeah, he's an amazing quarterback. He was obviously you know drove our team this year, and, and we had a great season. Hey, I mean, you know, fourteen and zero, and then losing by five points to yeah. Alabama. And, you know, nobody could take that away. I from would him. say that's a successful season. That's pretty successful. So, yeah, kudos and, to the Tigers. Good. And the good great season. thing is, we have a very young team, but getting most of those players back next year. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. If we were up there, number one or so in the preseason polls, we'll yeah, don't, see. Don't forget, you have to go through Carolina this next year, though. That's true, just and I, I hear you guys got some great talent coming on. Yeah, so. we do. Good, good we'll, coach uh, on staff. So there you go. So it'll be fun. But anyway, there's there's football for you. But you know, we have a great um, uh, lineup for you this morning too. We have the 2016 retirement landscape predictions. There are five predictions out of Morningstar about what's going to change in the retirement landscape here coming up this coming year. You want to pay attention to that. These are some important things, particularly if you're near retirement. Um, you know, these could make a difference. Yeah, that's right. They, they, that's, a, that's a great summary. And there'll be some things that will surprise you a little bit. So you want to stick stick with us through that. And then we're going to follow that up with an estate planning checklist. And, and Steve, 64% uh, of uh, uh, boomers, and this is based on a poll, did not ha- have a will or health care directive. So we're going to go through a comprehensive list. These are the items you need to make sure that you have on your estate planning um, checklist, and you know you need to actually create a checklist, right? And so we'll give you that. Absolutely. We'll give you the details and so forth, and we're going to follow that up with a, an article about energy companies. Right? Yeah. 
you know, this is this is like a little bit of review of the economy here. Mm-hmm. Um, energy companies are set for their first decline in forty eight years. That's amazing. Holy smokes! I mean, first yearly decline for the entire year. You know, when earnings come out here for for last quarter for all the energy companies. So, you know, Goldman Sachs is predicting that. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that. It's it's pretty interesting in the implications that has on the economy and the stock market in general. And that's some of the that's one of the big drivers for yeah. the, where the market is today. Yeah, I met with a client talking about this this week, and uh, they wanted to uh, you know they wanted to see what we were talking about, and and she said, well, my my parents always told me oil stocks were just you know the place to always put money and just a staple and out that's a risk of investing in individual stocks or even a sector because it has been decimated it has been decimated i mean you can't point to any sector until you know you got, you got to go all the way back to really 2000 in the tech bubble mm-hmm. bust to look at one sector that's been decimated worse than oil and gas has in the past two years um so it's it's pretty interesting to to see that that happen. Um, who would have thought, you know? So, uh, but anyway, uh, so we'll get to that. But um, before we do, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week, and this is a fun one. Yeah, this is. This comes from uh, uh, Money um, Magazine, and uh, going to date ourselves a little bit. I remember this movie, nineteen eighty nine. It was Back to the Future. It was part two, and um, it was um, they predicted that in two thousand and fifteen. Uh, our economy and our we would just personally have drones we would have mobile payment technology we would have hands hands free gaming consoles video phones and hoverboards Man, that's pretty cool. That is impressive. It? <laughs> it's impressive. Twenty seven years later, yeah, what a we classic have, movie. We have all of those. That's right. right? Well, yeah, that was a classic movie. Now, did the second one came out in eighty nine? Because yeah, I, mean, I, I remember think, the first one, and I, I guess I know I watched the second one. But yeah, I think it was mid eighties is the first one. But okay, you know, you start looking at this, and this is a, it is a cool fact. But think about twenty seven years from now, where are we going to be? I mean, technology yeah. is changing so rapidly. I have um, some it? some doctors in my family. And they tell me that in 50 years, they will be able to tell upon birth what diseases you'll have. And that in 100 years, they'll be able to not only tell that, but they'll be able to fix them. Yeah, I was just reading like the 10 major medical achievements of 2015 here, mm-hmm. an article here just, just last night, in fact. And and that was one of the things they pointed out was the, all the the genetic um, testing yeah. they can do now to treat cancers and things. I mean, there have been some amazing accomplishments oh, no there. And that. That is just exploding. You know, they, people are surviving with cancers. There's a lot to this kind of is a to me a preview of some of the things we should really be be optimistic about and hopeful about. I mean, technology is just booming. Yeah, you hear all the negative side of um, what's going on with ISIS and you know politics and everything. And but the economy, the revolutionary um, stuff that technology is, is changing. Medical is changing. Uh, energy is changing. Just all forms and facets of, of our business, which is good. It, it increases profits for companies typically. Exactly. So there is a lot to look forward to in our economy. You know, just in, in this election year, everybody's trying to drive down the, the they're talking down talking the economy because you know the elections and they're trying to talk down the current administration and there's certainly a lot of room for that don't get me wrong but on the other hand um there is a lot in the economy to be happy about Mm -hmm. and uh excited about for the future and and these are some of the things that's pretty cool but pretty cool fact of the week there about the movie too and a lot of cool predictions have come true they did well yeah i like it all right, that leads up to our first topic here, and that is the retirement landscape. Five predictions here. This is an article out of Morningstar, uh, Mark Miller, <clears throat> very recently. And uh, 
You know, as Yogi Berra once said, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. (laughs) (laughs) I love some of his sayings. You know, he's the late baseball great that passed away here not too long ago. Um, But Morningstar, yeah, they're looking in their crystal ball here, and they came up with five of the most important stories that they say they predict will unfold on the retirement beat in 2016. And, uh, you know, no real market predictions here. Um, You know, research shows that really smart retirement investors, according to Morningstar, they own a well-diversified portfolio, low-cost asset class funds, as we like to call them, um, which follow the markets over time. So, you know, we're not going to try to predict the markets here. But instead, let's take a look into the crystal ball for pending changes in the rules of the road for retirement advice Interest rates, inflation, Social Security, and Roth IRA conversions. Those are the five areas that, that Morningstar is touching on here. So we'll have to see if Morningstar is correct with these predictions, you know, at the end of 2016. But keep in mind, as Yogi Berra also once said, the future ain't what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's classic, isn't he? <laughs> he I, love his, I love his statements. And yeah. So the first one here is an end to uh, to biased advice. The, the U.S. Department of Labor, they have a long-running effort to create rules that require all brokers to put the best interest of clients first. Wow, that's a novel idea. That was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. This might actually happen this year. Like we have to do as investment advisors. Exactly. We have to do that, obviously, as part of our jobs. And uh, that they are saying they'll be completed this year. I mean, Republicans in Congress um, did not kill a so-called fiduciary rule for the retirement account advice by attaching this rider to the a big tax and spend bill back in December. And that would have prevented or delayed the Department of Labor uh, final rule proposal. So changing this rule, everybody should be you know, keeping customers at the forefront. And it's amazing. Some parts of our industry don't. I mean, That's as an right. investment advisor, we obviously do. But there are, are brokers and some other you know, sections that don't. And I love this topic because it's brought this to the forefront here mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. You know, I mean, that, that brokers and, you know, insurance agents and all those out there are selling stuff. And they don't have to put the best interest of the of the consumer and the the client ahead of their own. Mm-hmm. You know, they only have to have a suitability. You know, so I think this is as an investment advisor, we've always been required to put the best interest of our clients ahead of our own. But but the, this suitability rule for brokers and and insurance agents has been different, and but now they're going to try to make a level playing field there for them. Yeah, the De- Department of Labor is on track to release their final rule this year and implement it over the following two years, and that'll make 2016 a landmark year in retirement investing, assuming that no further legislative roadblocks are kind of thrown in the way. So best interest will replace the current vague requirement that an investment only need to be suitable for a client. You know, and the idea is to close the loopholes that govern retirement investing advice from banks, brokers, mutual fund companies, and insurance agents. Um, and in many cases, they currently can build themselves as advisors when they simply are out there selling whatever products that, you know, that are in their own best interest, you know, products with higher fees and risk and lower returns. So the new Department of Labor rule will mean that investors won't have to figure this out on their own anymore. Anyone advising you will be required to keep your interest at heart by keeping costs low and protecting your savings from excessive risk. So we'll see if these rules really change the way brokers and banks sell, try to sell you stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
you know, here's hoping. Could be a big change. Could be a big change. All right. Well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can give us a call, 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marber, the certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the retirement landscape, five predictions from Morningstar. Um, you know, pretty interesting stuff here, John. Um, you know, the first one we talked about was the the fiduciary rule mm-hmm. that the Department of Labor is set to make final this year, and that's going to make a big difference, particularly among brokers and banks and, and people that previously were only required to meet a suitability standard, right. which, as we know, in our business, is a lot lower standard, means all they have to do is just figure out they're not harming you specifically. Right. Um, so instead, they're going to have to meet a fiduciary standard, as we do, which means they have to put, actually put the client's interest above their own. Right. And, uh, you know, that's the way we've always been as advisors. Um, but now the Department of Labor is going to require everybody in this business to do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they implement that. They say it's going to take it two will. years. It'll it'll take a long time. But it'll be something that um, yeah. certainly is in the best interest of um you know, clients certainly, and the, and the population out there. Retired. Another one here on the list is inflation. They're saying it's going to make a comeback. Um, you know, the question is, is it going to be enough to get a raise for Social Security in 2017? And as you know, many of you know, if you're on Social Security, there is no cost of living adjustment in 2016. And that's, you know, it was remained flat to uh, really unusually low energy prices, which has really kept overall inflation down. And the uh, Social Security cost of living um, adjustment really is determined by a formula that excludes um, higher health care cost, right. and which is really impacting seniors. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, they're saying inflation didn't impact anybody. Well, that's not true. I mean, I see food as being higher yeah. um, and, and obviously health care for me as well. I'm, I'm not necessarily a senior, but it's missing some key components. Um, you know, that health care is a big component. Yeah, and I think energy prices is one of the things that has kept it, you know, yeah, down right. inflation. Yeah, flat colas, flat cost of living increases are rare. And this one, you know, created a potentially big problem with seniors on Medicare. Um, you know, a hold harmless provision in the federal law requires that no premium increases for Part B produce a net reduction in Social Security benefits. Um, and that means anyone already enrolled in Social Security this year, roughly 70 percent of Medicare beneficiaries were protected from any large premium hikes, leaving uh, the remaining enrollees to shoulder the entire burden of the, the program rising cost. Um, that would have been like a 52% Part B hike mm. for those other 30% of higher income people uh, that are on Medicare Part B. But fortunately, um, Congress prevented that with a congressional fix, um, so that didn't happen. Will we see inflation pick up in 2016? You know, Federal Reserve, they think so. Morningstar also thinks so. 
Um, but some energy analysts and, and uh, think that oil prices could further fall this year, and uh, so we'll see. I mean, Social Security Trust report issued us last summer forecast a 3.1% increase for 2017. Yeah, don't bank on that one. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't bank on that one. So, Guaranteed it'll be less than that. Yeah, so we'll see what cost of living happens this year, and it depends really on what oil prices do, I think, in a large part, because that's a big function of it. And, you know, we've had some big drops in, in gas prices. Um, next one here on the list is rate increases will benefit retirees. That's their next prediction here. You know, I think this is a good theme um, that's often overlooked because retirees will begin to see the light at the end of the tunnel eventually on stubbornly low interest rates, um, potentially by year end. I mean, they have been suffering through near zero rate environment ever since the onset of the Great Recession, and returns have often been negative after inflation. But relief could be in sight, um, assuming the forecast for higher inflation holds up and the Fed starts raising rates. Yeah, and the Fed did raise uh, rates last month by 0.25%. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but it marks a significant turning point for retirees that rely on fixed income investments. I mean, this quarter percent move along with um, won't bring relief immediately, but if the inflation numbers head north, the Fed's likely going to keep moving in that direction uh, as it, you know, it's outlined raising rates by maybe a percent over the next year. And at that point, yep. retirees could start earning interest that would at least keep up with some inflation. Because right now, as you mentioned, you know, cash is, is really losing money after inflation. And uh, over time, these higher rates um, would also have a positive impact on the pricing of long-term care insurance um, and also perhaps income annuities as well. So there's some benefits for seniors for the interest rates rising. Yeah, even without inflation, I think the Fed will um, raise rates again, you know, and continue this year if the economy continues to improve, mm-hmm. you know, because they want to get it back to neutral, which is going to be at least above two and a half. Um, but historically, it's been up there in the four and a half percent range. So, but a rate raising environment will create some challenges for bond investors and target date retirement funds in particular. Um, so, you know, target date retirement funds, they've become the big, really, the 800 pound gorilla, so to speak, in 401k investing because they have higher bond exposure. Um, and so, you know, that's that could hurt those funds if you if you see a lot of raises and r- rises in interest rates. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. So the next one here on the list is no Social Security reform. Just blather. Well, that's a that's a bold prediction. <laughs> that's a real bold prediction by Morningstar here. Yeah, I mean it's an election year. You can forget about Social Security reform. Um, you know, I, we're not going to see any serious policy debate about Social Security reform during a presidential election year. Um, we will get a higher dose of of you know talk about it. You know, through from all the candidates about cutting Social Security, even privatizing the program. Um, campaign season season is sort of young, but. Um, you know who knows? I don't think we're going to see anything big about Social Security reform. We'll, we'll just we'll just end on that comment about Social Security reform and <laughs> go to the next. You one. don't have any confidence in the in the reforming that? No, they're not going to reform that. And they go on here in this article to talk about you know if they do inform it, they they need to raise it on the you know on the higher income people. Yeah, means you know, testing, and means testing, and they talk about all the social stuff in here. But I think they will do that at some point. At some point, they probably you know, will. In the next ten years, I bet you that someone will address it. Um, it probably will. It's not really fair because the you know the people that have been funding it at the highest level by far have mm-hmm. been the wealthy people, and then they're going to means test it probably and right. take it away from. Them. Right, right, right. 
So here, another last one here on the list is a clampdown on the backdoor Roth. And um, Steve, this is a pretty, um, you know, a good way to get money into a Roth. There are some income uh, limitations on this. If you're over um, about $183,000, it starts to, uh, to, uh, to slip away and you're not able to do that. But um, you know, this one is actually on the chopping block, and it's called a backdoor conversion. And basically what you do is you take an IRA yep. and you put it into a Roth account. Let's say you had $10,000. Um, you could put it into the Roth, and there's unlimited amount of money you can do this on, but you would have to pay the tax bill. So that 10000 then goes on top of your income, whatever tax bracket you're in. Let's say you're in a 25% federal and 5% state. You would end up having to pay $3,000 in taxes. So you kind of settle up with the government, but then you have money in a Roth. So that's likely going to go away. Yeah, and I hope it doesn't, quite frankly, because, I mean, you know, to me, the Roth should be available to everybody, Mm -hmm. and they shouldn't have the income caps on it like they do at a phase-out for putting money in a Roth. Um, So, you know, the backdoor conversion at least allows it for for higher-income people. But anyway, but it may happen. Yeah, who knows? But I doubt in Republican. If the Republicans win, it's not going to happen. I don't right. think it's going to happen right. this year. Um, but a clamp down on the backdoor Roth would mean less near-term tax revenue for the government. Um, you know, since uh, income taxes are paid at the time of the conversion. But theoretically, it would generate more revenue down the road since it would be con- mean converted amounts over time would grow in traditional IRAs and be taxed whenever they take the money out of the plans. So Roth conversions, they aren't right for everybody, but you know it could be a helpful way to um, diversify retirement holdings for tax purposes, get more money in after taxes, um, tax-free down the road. So I certainly would suggest everybody consider out there yep. consider you know, Roth conversions. Yeah, it's certainly a good time to do that. All right. Well, um, I think we have just enough time here to to get a quick question in. Yeah, so this question is, is I'm planning on retiring in June, um, but not sure if I can. Or do you have any ideas on how I can find out if I can retire or not? And obviously you can call the money doctors. We'll help yep. you out with that question. But it really boils down to a retirement plan and budgeting. You need to know how much money you need. Um, so you got to go through a budget and understand your expenses, and then you have to look at your resources, Social Security, maybe you have pension, um, and then your assets, your investments, and see how much income you can get from that. And if that those sources meet up with your expectations, then, yeah, you can retire. Yeah, the bottom line is you need a plan. You need a plan. Right. And, I mean, you don't want to wing this. Retirement is way too important to just do a back-of-the-envelope type calculation oh, yeah. and think you got it figured out. I mean, you got to think about inflation yeah. down the road, yep. 10 years, 20 years down the road. Um, things you can't do yourself very easily. I would certainly suggest you sit down with a professional yeah. and get a retirement plan. Distribution strategies. Some people have Roth money, after-tax money, so there's it, gets, it can get complicated. It's Exactly, exactly. So a uh, great question, though. All right, well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard Young Associates during regular business hours at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Thanks. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey local provider. And we are going to lead off our uh, next segment here with a new topic, and that is the state planning checklist. Um, you know, such an important topic that is so easy to overlook. It, yeah, is, it is easy to put this off for years and years and years. Yeah, and, you know, as we mentioned in the in the intro, the a majority of Americans don't have this. You know, That's so right. it's something that you want to look at. And like you mentioned, Steve, estate planning is a task that, that people do tend to put off. And any discussion of, you know, the end tends to be um, kind of downer, right? No one wants to talk about their death exactly I mean, it's certainly uh, going to happen for all of us but uh, you know if you don't have this you'll you can leave um, your heirs with a lot of issues and a lot of risk associated so no matter what your age here are some things that you may want to accomplish this year 2016 with regards to estate planning and number one here on the list is, is create a will if you don't have one it's it's startling how many people never get around to this even to the point of, of buying a, a will in a box at a stationery store or setting one up online. I mean, there's some easy ways to do this. We obviously recommend sitting down with a lawyer to do it, but there's no reason not to do this. And um, I can tell you from personal experience, lost uh, my brother-in-law back in 2001, and he did not um, have all of these documents together. And it was mm. stressful enough losing someone, but then you had the financial worries as well. So um, get a will. Yeah, at least a simple will, but, uh, you know, maybe something more complicated if you need to, but go to an attorney and get something simple. Yeah, and a, and a 2011 Associated Press LifeGoesStrong.com poll of 1,078 boomers found that 64% had no will or health care directive in place. Um Wow, that's a big number, mm-hmm. 64%. You know, and that syncs with statistics from a 2012 poll of 600 U.S. consumers and small business owners, and it found that 42% of leading-edge baby boomers, people 55 to 64, had no will. So 42%. Again, almost half. That That's just an incredible number for somebody that's approaching or in mm-hmm. retirement. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, a, a solid will drafted with the guidance of an estate planning attorney, it's certainly going to cost you more than if you go online. But it may prove to be some of the best money you've ever spent. I mean, a valid will can save your heirs from some expensive headaches like uh, probate and um, just, you know, a lot of stress associated with it. If you understand it going into it, it's going to help you through that process. I just sat down with a family that lost their their dad, and they had gone through and understood the will, and they had all the documents already in order. So, um, you know, we sat down financially, and they we had a lot of things just kind of at our fingertips, so it made it go much smoother. Um, so you also have to complement your will with some related documents, you know, depending on what your estate planning needs are. I mean, this could include some kind of trust. Um, maybe, you know, durable financial and medical powers of attorney and um, a living will. And uh, maybe there's some other items as well. But there's a couple of different documents you need to look at. Yeah, and you need to know the difference between those documents, too. I mean, you should know that a living will is not the same thing as a durable medical power of attorney. You know, a living will makes your wishes known when it comes to life-prolonging treatments. Um, and it takes a form of a directive. Whereas a a durable medical power of attorney authorizes another party to make those medical decisions 
for you, including end-of-life decisions, if you become incapacitated or otherwise unable to make those decisions yourself. So those are two totally different documents. So you need to understand kind of what you have and what you don't have. Yeah, and most times when you go to an attorney to get a will, they'll include those in the process. You're kind of paying for a package deal, so yeah. make sure you ask for those. Another one here on the list is review your beneficiary designations. I mean, question is, who's the beneficiary of your IRA? How about your 401K? Uh, how about life insurance policy? If your answer is, mm, not sure, I think it's this person, um, then it may be time to check those documents and verify who the designated beneficiary is. I mean, when it comes to retirement accounts and life insurance, many people don't know this, but the beneficiary designations take priority over the will and the living trust. So whatever you have on your beneficiary designations, uh, it is going to bypass probate and it's going to be distributed out from that company. If you if you long ago named a child um, who's now estranged from you as a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, he or she are gonna, is going to receive the death benefit when you die, regardless of what your will states. So you got to make sure your beneficiaries are looked at. And you know, Tama has has a way of altering beneficiary decisions. I mean, that's why some estate planners recommend that you review your beneficiaries at least uh, every two years. See what they say. You know, divorces happen, new kids, you know, things like that. Exactly. And you may not know this, but, I mean, there uh, almost every type of account in some states allows you some type of beneficiary designation. For instance, an individual account in some states you can authorize uh, they call it a transfer on death designation in South Carolina and Georgia, both one of those states. So that's a tactic that you can use against probate. Um, TOD designations may permit the ownership transfer of securities, um, even real property in some states and vehicles uh, immediately upon your death to a designated person. So TOD designations are sometimes referred to as will substitutes. Um, you know, their transfer on death is what it stands for, but, you know, they usually pertain only to, you know, investment-type accounts. Yeah, so beneficiaries are key. Make sure you look at those. Another one here is create asset and debt list. I mean, does this sound like a lot of work? Um, it may not be as hard as you think it is. I mean, you should, you know, provide your heirs with an asset and debt map that they can follow should you pass away. Um, you know, there may be some things that they're just not aware of. So this list should detail your real property personal property assets should list any real estate it's worth um you know it should you know talk about items in your house that are valuable warehouses storage units maybe a small business um that has uh, some some uh, notable monetary wealth um also list your bank brokerage accounts retirement accounts insurance policies you know so you want to kind of create a list and I, we've done this, and I, I know you have yeah. as well, is if something happened to me, Tammy could take that list, and she has phone numbers and account numbers, and, you know, she has everything kind of at her fingertips. So it would be pretty easy to figure out what, what I have and what the next steps are associated with it. So it's just a way to – it's a way that you can show your family that you love them. Because exactly. you're taking some stress off of them. Yeah, take the time, make a complete list like that. And I like to have it all on one one sheet of paper, really, you know, or one document, if you're one database. For me, it's an Excel document. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you just have every account listed, every account number, and, you know, every life insurance policy, every type of account. I put the balance into the year, and I update it once a year, yep. you know. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, and it kind of also serves as your personal net worth statement. Yes. You know, just kind of shows it all on one page, yep. one, one document. 
So that's a great one. Yeah, also consider um, gifting to reduce the size of your taxable estate if you have a really large estate, okay? Congress, you know, they have uh, presented you with a remarkable opportunity to do just that. Um, It may not be available, you know, in the future. You never know. But, um, you know, at present, the lifetime federal gift estate tax generation skipping transfer Exemption is is now set at five point four million dollars. Yeah, I think that covers most of us. That covers most of us. You know, that means for a couple, it's up to ten point eight million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that until you know some date, you know, in, in the future, if it's if it's ever changed, for now, I mean, you have the ability to gift, um, you know, a ton more money than you ever used to be able to do, and. Um, you know, you can do that every year, and, and you can even do the, the exemption amount every year. If you have a really large estate, you can give $14,000, I believe it is, per mm-hmm. per child um, yeah. to, to all your kids, and that's per person. So two people, a couple, could give $28,000. That's right. That's right. A year. Yeah, that's right. That's, um, that's you know, and like you said, those, those rules can change, and they likely will change, but that's what it's set at today. Uh, another one here on the list is think about consolidating your stray IRAs or bank accounts. I mean... This could make your list a little bit shorter. Um, consolidation means fewer account statements, less paperwork for your heirs, and fewer um, administrative nightmares to uh, to have to deal with. So uh, consolidation is not a bad thing. Uh, let your heirs know the causes and the charities that mean the most to you. I mean, have you ever seen the phrase, in lieu of flowers, donations can be made to, you know, well, perhaps you'd like to make a suggestion um, and, and let your heirs know what charity means a lot to you. So write down these associations uh, that you belong to and the organizations that you support um, and make sure that, um, you know, they understand what that looks like. Another one, last one here on the list is select a reliable executor. When you have chosen um, who you have chosen to administer your estate, when the time comes, it may seem obvious, but you know a lot of times it's not. I mean, you've got to really think through uh, who's going to do that, and um, does it make sense for that person? And again, that may change over time as well. Yeah, the executors have copies of your wills, their power of attorney, any kind of health care proxy or living will, and your trust that you create. Um, in fact, I mean, your loved ones, or the ones referenced in those documents should also receive copies of them. And also talk to the professionals. Um, you know, do-it-yourself estate planning is not uh, highly recommended. I mm-hmm. mean, it can be very complex. Um, so you want to make sure you get some professional help when it comes to estate planning. Yeah, and a lot of people don't think they need an estate plan. And you may not be a multimillionaire yet, but, you know, if you own a business, if you have a blended family, if you have kids, you know, you worry about dementia, um, you know, you need to do this. You need to sit down and spend some time on this. It's a, As Dave Ramsey talks about, it's a way that you can show love to your family while you're living. And, you know, I've sat down and ex- obviously talked with tammy on it we've shared with our kids where it's located and things like that so make sure you talk to people about it yeah exactly okay well if you have questions you can email us at info at moneymd.net that leads up to our break here give us a call 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages and gina news stay with us Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. 
I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey local provider. And we are um, <clears throat> starting off our last segment here with the prescription of the week. And the prescription is to fund your Roth and your regular IRAs before April 15th, before tax filing time. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that, but they give you, a, you know, three and a half months in 2016 to fund 2015. Yeah, so, you know, just because you haven't funded it yet, I mean, you need to take advantage of this, particularly a Roth. I just think that is such a Mm no-brainer. If you qualify for a Roth, you're getting money in that's going to be tax-free forever, you know, after you're 59 and a half. And, I mean, get it in a tax-free environment. You just got to do that, you know. You could put up to $5,500 if you're under 50. If you're over 50, it's $6,500. You got to make that contribution. Fund your Roths before the end of the year, before tax filing time yeah, for 2015. Right. Then turn right around and fund it for 2016. Yeah, you, you hear Dave Ramsey talking about, you know, the investing baby step four. And he says, go get your, your match and then go and fill up your Roth bucket. And so Roths are... Yeah, tax-free in retirement, that's going to be a nice feeling. That's going to be unbelievable whenever, you know, we're on the skids financially as a country and we're raising tax rates and you got all this money that's in a tax-free environment. It's not going to be around forever. Someday they're going to close that Mm -hmm. that hole, I think. Yeah, probably. that, That opportunity. Okay, that leads up to our last topic here, and that is... Energy companies set for their first energy decline, earnings decline in 48 years. That's amazing. That is amazing. 48 years. Energy companies have, as an energy sector, they have produced positive earnings growth and positive earnings, not earnings growth, but positive earnings for 48 years, and we're set for the first decline in that this past year. 1967. Yeah. 1960, yeah, 66. Earnings decline. So I guess that's actually 68. Earnings. Yeah, that's amazing. That's just, you know, because you always hear, and I've heard a lot of people say, you know, earning or energy companies stable, they'll never change. You hear that about other companies. And right. It's just not the case. It's riskier to invest in individual stocks or sectors. Um, and Steve, you know, low oil prices ha- have made fracking very unprofitable for some of the players. Yep. Um, what we see is the energy sector will uh, depress U.S. fourth quarter earnings. And it's going to subdue growth for the entire S&P 500. I mean, it, it is offset some of the other sectors and making 2015 the weakest year for earnings since 2008. And uh, the bank trimmed its uh, S&P um, 500 earnings per share estimates. That's Goldman Sachs that trimmed it for 2015, 2016, and 2017. And it highlighted three factors it expects to feature uh, in earnings releases on a, on a conference call this year. So they're... They're saying three years is going to be lower. Um, the fourth quarter and the 2015 earnings season kicks off uh, very shortly, and uh, you know the producers out there are starting to um, to talk about what their earnings and the you know, expectations is is going to be much lower. Yeah, I mean the first factor Goldman highlighted in is the energy sector, which the bank says is about to show a decline in operating earnings. Uh, per share uh, for 2015. It's the first negative reading since the bank started keeping records back in 1967. That's amazing. So they've actually grown earnings every year except for last year, um, which is amazing. Yeah, energy earnings per share has collapsed along with crude oil prices. The analysts wrote, I mean, energy earnings per share is highly sensitive to the price of oil. 
which Goldman's assuming will average $44 a barrel this year. Boy, that seems kind of rosy to me, yeah. considering... It's at 30 right now. <laughs> we're at 30 right now. So uh, they even have some pretty high estimates in there for this year for the average price. But crude futures, you know, have been as low as $30 here just recently um, this week. Um and energy companies have been hammered by the slump in oil prices caused by the oversupply, which has made some shell players unprofitable and led to companies slashing spending in, in their budgets and selling underperforming assets, cutting staff, and even shutting down wells. Um, but, yeah, the write down in energy company assets has exasperated, uh, exacerbated the earnings hit from 35% fall in bent crude prices in 2015 following a 48% plunge in commodity in the commodity price in 2014 said the note so those are just some huge reductions yeah. in, in earnings and price and it's amazing how much um, the energy energy sector accounts for the S&P 500 in 2014 the energy sector accounted for about 12% of the overall S&P 500's earnings per share and in 2015, that contribution uh, tumbled um, to they actually had a loss. So it was you can't even put a percentage on it, but it didn't. It took away from earnings. So 2014, it was contributing you know about 13 dollars or 12 percent of the overall earnings. This year, it's a loss of two two dollars, and that means the energy contributed a 15 dollar decline to the S and P 500 earnings, which more than outweighed all the other sectors. Any you know, gains. From yeah, any gains. Yeah. It, it, it outweighed them. And the second factor is that the S&P margins have plateaued, and they're now down nearly a percent since peaking at about 9% in 2014. And this margin compression is partly due to the shrinking of energy margins. Uh, Goldman expects uh, will rebound you know, next year um, and, and come up a little bit. But this year it's been a challenging year. Analysts expect energy to add another, um, you know, 10 basis points to the uh, earning S&P margins in 2017. Um, and they're they're looking out in a couple of years and making some projections on it. But, you know, this is not just an energy issue. Margins have been propped up by the IT sector um, for the S&P 500. Obviously, one of those companies that is, is the world's biggest by market cap is Apple. And Apple's accounted for 25% of uh, the expansion associated with it. So you got, you know, IT yeah. is kind of balancing out and energy is really bringing the S&P down. Yeah, you know, and this kind of speaks to just step back and look at the bigger issue of the stock market being down, John. I think this really speaks to that issue because earnings are what drives the stock market, mm -hmm. right? And growth in earnings and future expectations about the growth in earnings. And so with energy, with the price of oil being down, 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 you know, nobody really understands and, and we didn't understand how big a component that was and how much that could affect the earnings for the overall stock market. But it's a huge driver. Yeah, it is. And you talk, you, you look at the fracking, and that the fracking is where they uh, they're they're getting the oil and the and the the product actually out of the uh, out of the earth. And no one projected five years ago, ten years ago, that the U.S. would be the leading oil producer in the world. That's right. And um, the other factor that's kind of playing into this, which is scaring the markets a little bit, is China is slowing down. So when China slows down, that means there's going to be less consumption of oil, right? Um, right? Which puts further pressure on it. And then also China is also not buying goods and services. So there's a couple of factors that are happening here that, that are causing some consternation in the markets. But, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You know, 
oil consumption is not going to be down forever, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, China is not going to all of a sudden start using, um, you know, solar power, um, for instance. They're not going to build any more hydro plants. They're not going to build nuclear power plants, you know, unless they already have them, and, you know, to any large scale quickly. So oil consumption is going to go back up, and oil prices are going to go back up at some point. And so this is not going to last forever. No, of course not. And uh, so we're we're in this slump, you know, in the stock market, and it's driven by by lower profits, and the lower profits are driven primarily by oil, mm-hmm. and that's really what's driven, you know, this two year flat market that we've been in when it, when, you, when the rubber really meets the road, sure. you know, in terms of earnings. Yeah, and, and the two years prior to this, the markets did fantastic, and you look back at history, this is really not unusual. It's not right. I mean, we've gone through the you know through these windows before. From from a a financial standpoint, you know the the key is is make sure you're diversified, make sure you have a plan that you're using, and um, trying to predict the markets is impossible. We've talked about that. We've shown that before. Um, so just make sure you're diversified, have a plan that you're working to, and you have to be patient sometimes. Exactly. I mean, these are normal cycles. We we've been through these two year, three year, even longer cycles before the market you know contracts for once because one sector is just kind of the tail wagging the dog in this case. Um, but it's going to change. I mean, one thing we've seen through history is things change fast and they change unpredictably. There is no way to time this. You know, will oil go to $20 a barrel or will it jump back up to $60 a barrel? Nobody knows. Right. You know, I'm I'm sure six months from now we'll be looking at a totally different picture than we predicted in some way. And so don't try to predict it. Stay diversified. Stay invested. You know, the markets will recover at some point, and you want to be in there when they do because they usually recover very, very fast when it happens. And the other thing to note is when you do planning, um, our plans, the way we plan, is we, we count on periods like this. We count on down markets. We count on up markets, obviously. But this is not an unusual phenomenon. No, no, it's not. But it's you know interesting to see, yeah, and it's it in, it's important to know the reasons behind it. All right, that brings us up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from nine to ten a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call. Richard and Associates, 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Jesus